But today, because it's Donovan, and I haven't embarrassed him in a very long time, I would like to introduce Donovan to you today. Because here's the thing about Donovan, you're going to hear the best sermon you've ever heard in your entire life. Today is not only going to be life-changing, I would dare say most of you are going to want to get rebaptized after Donovan gets done speaking today. So, without further ado, and now that he's red in the face, let me introduce you to our youth minister, and he really is, this is going to be an awesome sermon today in all seriousness. We're really excited to have Donovan up here speaking with us. So Donovan, it's all yours. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I, I, think he t- I think he tells me that every time I preach, that everyone's going to want to get rebaptized after this. And, and uh, I haven't seen it happen yet, but who knows? This might be a change. Who's, who's, who knows? Um, so before I really get into the sermon, though, I do want to mention um, our Mr. John Kelly is going to Honduras uh, this week. We sent out a group last week, and they are on their way right now. Uh, but we're sending them out this week to uh, do... Uh, mission trip with Laura Baxter. He's going to be uh, speaking at a camp for missionaries. It's something he's passionate about growing up being a preacher's kid. He knows the importance of, of how sometimes forgetted preachers and missionary kids get. So he's going to be speaking there. We will be praying over him uh, before we leave tonight, today, just to let you all know. But today, uh, the sermon is titled, I Still Have Doubts, So I Can't Be Christian. Um, and today's main thing is, if we focus on God, uh, your doubt won't take over. So I tend to doubt movies often, as one does, especially in current pop culture. So the new Doctor Strange movie came out. Um, I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it. It hasn't been out for a little. It hasn't been out for long enough for people to spoil it, uh, in my opinion. But uh, I think it's one of the greatest movies that Marvel's ever produced. But I was skeptical about it when I heard all these great things about it uh, because of there was a few iffy movies before. Uh, and there's Spider-Man, which was, in my opinion, the greatest MCU movie of, ever, ever, of all time. And you can argue me on that. I don't care what your opinion is. You're wrong. Um, so uh, it, it, seeing the three Spideys on screen uh, in the Spider-Man made me happy. It, it brought me back to my childhood because um, Spider-Man 3 was the first superhero movie I've ever saw. Spider-Man is my second favorite superhero behind Hulk. I don't know why I got green gloves one time that were Hulk fists for my birthday, and it became my favorite Hulk, a superhero. Um, but Spider-Man 3 was my first movie, so I was super excited because it brought my nerdiness and my childhood together to watch that first, the new Spider-Man movie. So I was skeptical about Doctor Strange because a lot of times, movies that come out after an amazing movie is not as good. But my fiance convinced me to go watch it the opening weekend. We watched it on, on Saturday. It came out on a Friday. Um, there was a lot of people there and it was probably one of my favorite movies now of all time. Not any better than the new Spider-Man movie, uh, just because I love Spider-Man so much, but it is, it's up there on that list. So, but doubt is something um, that happens all the time in our life. We might doubt our faith, yes, but we might doubt uh, decisions we make. We might doubt people we're talking to and their intentions. We, doubt is something that creeps into our life forever, uh, no matter how old you are. Um, and it seems like it gets worse and worse as I get older, um, I doubt more things, but um, today we're going to be tackling the idea of doubt in our faith and how it does not mean that you're not a Christian if you doubt. Uh, but before we get into what we should do with our doubts, I want to talk about the three big doubts that I've found in my life and the people uh, around me. The first one is this question of if the Bible is reliable. And the answer to that is, of course, the Bible is completely reliable. The people who try and argue that the Bible is not reliable uh, don't look at the context of the Scripture. Um, there is a lot of context in, in the discrepancies that people find in the, in, in the Bible that we can easily figure out. So um, a very broad metaphor 
to me, the Bible is an amazing history book. I have a ministry friend who jokes about uh, how he has a degree in history from creation to about 100 AD. Um, so if we believe the history books we read in school, what's any different from the Bible? Why isn't the Bible as reliable as the history that we uh, teach in school to the, to the children that I learned, that you probably learned? Um, and with technology, this history is becoming more advanced, and we're figuring out things even more, but that's why the Bible is so reliable to me, because the inconsistencies aren't actually inconsistencies. If you go and look at arguments people make, it all depends on the context. The next doubt, however, is uh, why does God allow evil? So the biggest answer to this question for me is um, that Satan is allowed in this world. He's on reins, but he is allowed to uh, cause chaos. Uh, Jesus even calls him the, the prince of the earth. Uh, the devil is allowed to cause evil because uh, God has separated him in the earth, in the heaven and the earth, so heaven can be absolutely perfect. Uh, I like to think about it as uh, the rancor from the new Boba Fett show. Um, Boba Fett is on this massive monster, if you don't know what I'm talking about. He's got chain reins around his nose, and that's how he controls him. So the rancor is fighting for the good guys, and he kills the bad guys because it's Star Wars, that's what happens, but he causes destruction in the process. So just like Satan is on reins uh, and chaos is allowed in this world, there is still so much good that is in this world. We've got to remember and remind ourselves that there is evil present in this world because Satan wants to pull us to hell. Satan is already lost, and he doesn't want to go down alone. Uh, and with there being evil in he he on earth, um, there is absolute perfectness in heaven. Heaven is a glorious place with no evil, no sadness, no bitterness, no guilt, whatever. Heaven is the perfect place for us. And that, we also have to remember, is our end goal. We're not stuck on earth. We are on earth for a very minuscule amount of time compared to eternity. Uh, we go to heaven, and we live eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ and, and, and with our Lord and Savior, and we get that a wonderful ability because he allows evil on earth. So number three, though, is uh, why doesn't God answer my prayers? And the biggest one with this is um, does your prayer or does your want align with God's will? A lot of times people think that they're the center of the universe. I definitely thought I was the center of the universe, especially when I was younger, because I was the youngest and I was spoiled and I got everything I wanted, and that's how it should be. But God is, is the creator of the universe. Again, we are on this planet Earth for a very minuscule amount of time. And if your prayers, if your requests don't align with what God's will is, it's not going to fold out. There is, there is time and place for requests for safety, health, food, uh, whatever it is. There's always a time and place for asking God to protect you. But if, if your prayer in the end doesn't align with God and you're only going to God when you need things, that's why your prayers probably aren't being answered. Um, so there is faith that we have to have in all of these doubts. So faith is something that can, that can grow when we have doubt. Um, I have some statistics about that in a little bit, but I have a little illustration I want to show you all. The Hebrews said that faith is evidence in things that we do not see. So I'm going to grab something out of my pocket. What do you all think is in my hand? I promise there's something in my hand. I'm very trustworthy. A, a quarter? It's close. It's, it's a nickel. I promise there's a nickel in my hand. It was supposed to be a quarter, but I couldn't find a quarter. So there is a nickel in my hand. I promise you there is a nickel in my hand. Now, do you believe me that there's a nickel in my hand? Why not? Thank you. 
Mr. Garrett has faith in me that there's a nickel in my hand. I promise there's a nickel in my hand. So now I'm going to show you that there was, in fact, a nickel in my hand. So the stage of that is you thought I had a nickel in my hand. That was your opinion. That wasn't your faith. When I promised you that there was a nickel in my hand and you believed me that there's a nickel in my hand, then you had faith in me that I had a nickel in my hand. And then I showed you that I had a nickel in my hand, and now you have the knowledge that I have the nickel in my hand. The big thing about faith, again, just like the Hebrew said, it's evidence in things that we do not see. So um, God has promised us all these things throughout Scripture, uh, and we have faith that our way to heaven is through believing in Jesus Christ, through grace alone. That's what separates our our faith from every other religion in the world. Dave kind of hit on this last week. Uh, The only way we get to heaven is by accepting our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the grace and what the cross means. That's the only way. So we have to have faith, no matter what, that we get to go to heaven. We're not going to know all the ins and outs of the world because God doesn't want us to. Then we wouldn't have faith. If we knew that we are going to heaven, then what's the point of going to church? If we knew that anyone who died on this earth was going to heaven, what's the point of being a Christian? There's no point in doing something if we know something. So faith plays a big part in doubts. There's a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of research that goes into it as well. That's how we get our faith through study of scripture. But the first thing I want to talk about we need to do with our doubt uh, is that, or, or what we need to realize about our doubt is that just because we doubt, it doesn't mean you don't have faith. So we're going to jump into the middle of the story about the boy who had the impure spirit or the demon, whatever you want to call him, and the apostles try to uh, wipe it out, but they couldn't get it out. So Jesus showed up on the scene, and this is where we pick up in Mark 9, 21 through 25. It says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us, help us if you can, Jesus said. Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. So a lot of times, doubt can come from fear. And these parents were terrified their boy was possessed by a demon or an impure spirit, whatever you want to call it. Um, And they had no idea what to do. The apostles tried everything they knew how to do, uh, and then Jesus showed up on the scene, and they asked this question, and I can just imagine Jesus' expression on his face when they said, if you can. And Jesus was like, if I can? What do you mean? I'm Jesus Christ. I'm the son of the living God. Who do you think I am? There's no one else that can do this but me. And he goes on and uh, talks to this mother and father, and this mother and father asks him to uh, remove their unbelief. So I want you to think about time that you might have doubted uh, God, because you've asked this question, God, if you can do this, uh, I, I've probably asked God, if you can do this thousands of times throughout my life. Uh, God, if you can, when I, want, when I first started this job and I did not know anything uh, major about ministry except for what uh, I'd learned from my mentor, Rob, I asked God, if I can be a good minister, will you let me? And God had a plan all along to use me uh, as, as, a, as a minister. I wouldn't say I'm a good minister, but I'm a minister. Um, but I just can imagine every time we ask God, if, if you can, and he's just looking at us like, do you even know who I am? I'm the creator of the universe. Of course I can. But the biggest thing that I want to, the, to notice as well is that this man and this, and this mother and father asked Jesus to remove their unbelief. Uh, they know that 
is that Jesus can do this miracle, but they still have doubt that Jesus can fulfill this miracle. Who knows why? They don't, they don't tell us why. They, I think just because of how terrified they were. Fear drives a lot of, a lot of our doubts, and, and God, or, uh, and, and Satan is, is on the prowl always, ready to jump on anyone who um, has a, has a, allows him into their life. So if we <clears throat> slip up and, and we have doubt, it's not the end of the world. Doubt in the end grows our faith, especially if we ask God to remove our unbelief. So the, the number two uh, thing that we need to do with our doubt is that we cannot linger in our doubt. So I'll say this 20 more times probably, but doubt, again, isn't bad. It's what we do with that doubt. Just like sin or just like temptation, it isn't what being tempted. It's about what we do with that temptation. Uh, Jesus was tempted by Satan. It's happened in the Bible multiple times, and that's what made Jesus. Jesus is what he did with that temptation. He didn't fall for it, succumb to it. Uh, but oftentimes, if we allow ourselves to linger in our doubt, and we don't try and figure it out ourselves, or with the help of God, uh, we will uh, fall to the, to the temptation. We will walk away from the faith a lot of times. So uh, we're going to look at Doubting Thomas and John 20, 24 through 29. It says this, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. Uh, but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The thought, uh, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out uh, your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. So the way Thomas's brain worked, um, he was one of those people who liked to grieve alone. Jesus was one of his best friends, one of his closest colleagues. He was grieving the death of one of someone who was very close to him alone because that's how he dealt with grief. Um, and we all deal with grief differently, but the fact that Thomas was alone but all the other disciples were together is what makes Thomas so special and why he stands out as doubting Thomas. Uh, because he needed proof that Jesus was alive. He wasn't going to believe his, his friends and colleagues. As much as he probably wanted to believe that Jesus was alive, he's like, I need to know for a fact that Jesus actually has those gnashes in his side and those hands, he has holes in his hands, and he's risen from the dead. Uh, because of the way Thomas, just the way his brain was wired, that's a lot of times how it goes. Uh, we try and do things alone. And when we try and do things alone, that makes us oftentimes turn away from God. So when we turn away from God, we cannot beat doubt on our own uh, because it allows us to linger in those thoughts that we have. And when we linger in doubt, we allow Satan to come into our life and take over and do what Satan does and destroy our life. Satan will come into your life and cause you to do something and then blame you for it, even though he's the one who tempted you to do it, <clears throat> because you're the one who did it. So we might be like Thomas, and we might be someone who needs evidence to know that Jesus is alive. Um, but Jesus does say, blessed are those who have seen and yet have believed, have not seen and yet have believed. And being Thomas, he's got the amazing ability to live in first century uh, Christianity, where he gets to talk to Jesus and touch the holes in his hand. We, unfortunately, don't get that luxury because we're alive 2,000 years later. But we are blessed because we still believe in God, and these are the reasons that I go to when I doubt and I get, 
I catch myself lingering in any doubt that comes to my mind. So the first piece of evidence is something that I strongly believe, and I know Dave has said it multiple times. There is a man named Jesus. He has proven to be alive during the time that he said he was alive, but they have yet to find a body. That, to me, is evidence enough that Jesus is the Son of the God. He rose from the dead, and he ascended to heaven. There is no body of Jesus Christ. Unlike every other religion in the world, we can go and see their leaders. We can only go and see an empty tomb that might have been where Jesus was. Uh, the second one, though, is just reading through Scripture. For people who love uh, book evidence, the Bible is an amazing place to find book evidence. Uh, I know my fiance is very science-driven. She loves the history aspect of, of the Bible, and, and she loves book evidence because that's what she studied her whole life. I'm more on the creative side, so I like to think broader. I love to think and know that there's no body. That's what makes me believe. But sometimes, for whatever reason, that's not enough. People need hard evidence, and when you look at Scripture, you can find that hard evidence, just like we talked about with the first doubt. The Bible is completely reliable. There is no inconsistencies if you take time and study and look. Now, um, there is a little bit of faith that still goes into it, because we don't know everything in the world. We, don't, we weren't alive when Jesus was alive. We don't know if what they claimed to happen in the Gospels actually happened, but we have faith that it did because of the evidence of Scripture, because of the evidence of the families we look at in here, the families who have a Christ-centered life compared to the families who don't. Um, that is evidence to me that, that I can have enough faith in God and in the once uh, and follow God's will. So the, the last main point I really want to drive home is that um, we have to be vulnerable about our doubt. Uh, Jude 22 through 23 says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Uh, to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by a corrupted flesh. So this is on the flip side of, of doubt. This is for people who have close colleagues who they know are doubting or, or might come to them with their doubts. We have to be ready as Christians to not only face our own doubts, but we also have to be ready to listen uh, and be vulnerable to those people who are doubting. And those people who are doubting have to be vulnerable to others. Community is a big part of this church. That's our, we ask for two time slots. We ask for Sunday morning and a community group. Community is a major aspect of this because of how it allows us to be vulnerable. Um, when we have doubts, a lot of times false teachers or false teachings will come in. The, uh, the, the, the work of people who just tell you, if you just come to church every day and you believe in God, your life will get better. There's going to be no negative in your life. It's false teachings come into people who need that in their life. They need to be told that their life will get better if they follow something. But we know, as Christians, that we are going to suffer just as Jesus Christ did. It tells us in Scripture. Uh, yes, some of us might struggle or, or suffer in different ways, um, and some might be way harder than others, but we are going to suffer. So we have to realize that when we doubt, there is room for false teachers, and we have to be able to uh, help the other people around us in our community that might be succumbing to those false teachings. So a little bit about me. Um, I went to uh, Tiffin University for a year to play soccer, um, and this is where I really started to struggle with doubt um, in my faith, maybe, maybe more doubt in, in God and what his plan was for me more than anything. So I went <clears throat> and I played a year of soccer up there. Um, there were no churches except for like a you know, weird church, like snake handling church or something like that. But um, there was nothing around me. There was no faith-based anything on, on campus. My, I had maybe three friends, and then I had the soccer team, but they were weird soccer players. Um, but 
they were still kind of close to me. I didn't have anyone who was around me, though, that was very faith-based. My friends, uh, none of them really went to church. They might have gone to church on Easter or Christmas, but they never really went to church and really followed the life of Jesus with a Jesus-centered focus. So my life up there kind of uh, stepped away from the church, not necessarily the faith, but the church. Um, And then I broke my foot, and I couldn't play soccer anymore. My dream was crushed, and um, uh, I had doubt. Like, I asked God, why did you let this happen to me? I did the, why do you allow evil in my life, God? If you are such a loving God, why did this happen to me? Which, fast forward to now, and I'm a preacher, or a student minister, and I get to preach every once in a while in front of you all, and I love my job, and I love the people I'm surrounded by, but at the time, I had no idea what my future was going to hold. I was mortified and miserable because I was alone, and my dream was crushed, uh, and, but that's where the community aspect comes in. I still came to church when I moved back home, because my parents wanted me to, just like most teenagers. They, they probably come a little bit because they have faith, and a little bit because their parents drag them out of bed every morning, but um, I, I found myself with a community who loved me, who I was able to be vulnerable with. We didn't sit and read scripture all the time, uh, but we read scripture a little bit. We ate dinner together. We played video games together. We did things outside together. We had, uh, our community group was, was a very fun community group. Um, every community group here is different, but ours was very community-driven rather than uh, talk-about-Sunday-sermon-driven. And that helped me grow to who I am. And having a mentor who loved me so much that he convinced me while I was at UK subconsciously to drop out and become a minister. So the community aspect and being vulnerable is probably one of the most important parts about our doubts. We have to be willing to listen, and we also have to be willing to go to other people when we have those doubts. So uh, I have some statistics here from a company called Barna. They do uh, they do statistic research on people who go to church and, and people who claim to be faith-based. This one is specifically about doubt and Christians. So they said that two-thirds, two-thirds of people that they interviewed have struggled with doubt in their faith. Uh, 59 of those, 59% of those people, however, went to family, spouses, or close friends, the community part. The majority of those people who were doubting went to the people closest to them to help with their doubt. Uh, and then there's a little twinkle of like 15% went to the preacher, 20% went to the Bible, um, and, and, other, and then there was another category of like 5%. Um, and then they did a study on the people who go to church compared to the people who didn't go to church. And 87% of the people who doubted or wrestled with doubt that continu- uh, went to church regularly uh, came out of it with stronger faith. So again, the community aspect, the going to church, meeting friends, talking to someone at least once a week, Grow, grew their faith through their doubt. Now, 37% of, those peop- of people who don't go to church, um, uh, sorry, only 37% of people who didn't go to church, when they doubted, their faith grew. The rest of them, their faith either stayed stagnant or they fell off. They lost their faith completely. So, again, the community aspect of it all, uh, when I was surrounded by people and I came to church regularly, Um, and I studied the scripture on my own time, and I finally aligned myself with God's will, I was able to um, be joyous. I'm not always happy. That's just how life is. There's things, there's up and downs in life, but I am joyous, and I still struggle with doubts just like everyone probably does every day or every week, 
but I know how to combat those doubts. And that's the biggest issue. I want to hammer this idea home of doubt isn't bad, so please do not hide when you doubt or have doubts of anything. Please don't not come to church. Doubt is something that happens with everyone or almost everyone. Come to people you trust. Come to people you love. Come to people you know uh, will help you in those doubts because um, we don't want to lose anybody. It's hard to say and it's hard to hear, but if you lose your faith and you don't take Jesus and you don't allow the grace in your life, uh, you are going to go to hell. And it's terrifying to think of, but if we do act on our doubts how we're supposed to and go to the community and go to the scriptures and trust in God and allow him to align us with what we need, then we're going to go to heaven. We're going to go, when we accept Jesus, we get to go to the eternity of, of, of amazingness, of perfectness, rather than the eternity of misery. So, I, I, again, doubt is fine. Doubt is okay to have. It, is, it depends on what you do with that doubt. Some of us are wired differently, though. Some of us like to hide. Uh, some of us like and enjoy being alone. And that's completely okay. You just have to know um, when you're succumbing to doubt and when you just need your alone time. Just like Thomas, when he was grieving the death of Jesus, he needed to be alone or he wasn't going to be able to grieve properly. Um, but unlike some of us, some of us need to grieve as a group. Uh, we have to figure out how our brain is wired, though. And once we figure out how our brain is wired uh, and we realize the need for community and doubt, uh, our faith will grow. And when our faith grows, we get to go and spread it to all the kingdom of the world, or all the world, and we get to grow the kingdom of heaven. And we get to share the love that Jesus has shared us. We get to share the love that God has given us. Um, and we get, to, we get to go towards him. So we need to plant our faith and our doubt in God, and keep our eyes on him no matter what. Uh, once we turn away and we begin to, begin to go and try and figure things out all on our own, that's when the devil will step in. The devil is always on the prowl, looking for the next soul to take away. There's battles going on around us constantly, even though Satan has won the, or Satan has lost the war, and God has won the war, there are still battles that Satan tries to win, and sometimes he's successful. But if we stick to the plan that God has given us, if we stick to the scriptures, God will not, or that God will win every battle for our salvation, our soul.